Welcome to the weekly reboot, your Friday debrief of things we've heard and seen coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne and beyond. How are you, Tony? <coughs> good morning. I'm good. How are you? Good. I've got a bit of a deja vu feeling. I've got a feeling this is going to get recorded really quickly. Good. So first are the blocks. I just have a book recommendation, which is um, Barry O'Reilly. Do you know who Barry O'Reilly is? Barry O'Reilly writes books. Yes, he does write books. He's the author of Lean Enterprise, or one of the authors of Lean Enterprise, and that is an excellent book as well. He's just released Unlearn, and he's taking on a book tour. Now, he's interesting because he does, um, he founded something called Exec Camp. So he gets execs, and you know how we do design sprints and incubators and mm-hmm. design thinking kind of activities. He takes execs out of their boardrooms and into different environments. For example, he took some execs of an aeroplane company into an old airport um, to do a bit of um, Mm. experiential design thinking and learning, which I think is fabulous. So yeah, he works with leaders, gets them out of their ways of working into new ways of working. And this book, which is called Unlearn, is a solo affair. He's written it on his own and is currently spruiking it on a book tour of workshops, it seems. Irish guy, pretty engaging speaker. Oh, um, Unlearn, yes. Um, There were three main points that he made in his book, wasn't there? Um, in Barry Riley's book. Ah, oh, I'm glad you asked, Tony. Um... <laughs> it's not like we've recorded this before and then <laughs> lost the recording or anything. Unlearn is a transformative system that shows leaders how to rethink their strategies, retool their capabilities and revitalise their businesses for stronger, long-lasting success. He talks about three steps in this system, which is unlearn, relearn and breakthrough. So that sounds pretty interesting. And that reminds me of something else, actually. Um, a quote from Alan Toffler um, on... The illiterate of the 21st century are people who can't learn, unlearn and relearn. Yeah, and I reckon we'll probably end up seeing that quote inside this book when we open it up. Um, Remote work. I stumbled across an article from Siobhan John, who's at Shopify. Um, They've got a thousand odd remote remote staff. Um, But talking about um, the feeling of isolation and loneliness that you can get from people um, when they work at home or work remotely, and some tools and techniques to try and improve that. Now, in his article, he talks about a couple of a couple of main points: intentional communication, building relationships, and designing a, your way of work um, to suit remote work as well. So, intentional communication is kind of like you know making sure you set the ground rules, turn your notifications on, off, etc., and uh, building relationships. So, empathy, making sure you really looking after your people. This is one of the key roles of, of a manager, of course, and uh, designing your way of work so that it works remotely. You can't just have physical cards on a wall, um, for those kind of situations. Absolutely, and I will post the remote only manifesto, which is remoteonly.org, which has got nine, <laughs> thanks Betsy, which has got nine great tips for remote working. And maybe we'll continue recording in another location. So a podcast recommendation, which is The Leadership of Fools, so a bit of a play on words from Ship of Fools, it's a leadership podcast. It's the invention of someone called Colin Beatty, and he has all kinds of interesting guests on it. Um, It's homegrown, so it's here in Australia, it's worthwhile listening to some of the back episodes. It's also co-hosted by a comedian, this guy Rick Brown, who's from the improv community, I think, which just makes it a bit funnier and more entertaining. Um, but they had as a guest David Marquet on. I think he was must have been on Skype. Now, he was a captain in the Navy. He captained a nuclear submarine and wrote the book Turn the Ship Around, which is an excellent book, and he also keynoted Agile Oz in 2015. He does talk a lot of great sense and busts through some of that political correctness, which is great. 
putting aside what you might think of the Navy mm. and um, working in the military, which kind of have to, he, he does talk a lot of sense um, about the things that he's learned from being a captain in the Navy. Um, and he's also just a great guy. So in this episode, he talks a lot about intentional leadership, which is essentially what is in the book. And he's writing another book at the moment about um, around the language of leadership as well. Another interesting backstory is that he met Nigel Dalton and James Pierce. They went to the Bell bike shop where he had a look at um, how their kind of lean system of work works for manufacturing of bikes. I know you're a big bike fan, Tony, so you probably yes. know about How do you pronounce it? Boom. Boom. They're great bikes. They're great bikes. Awesome bikes. And they have this great system of work, which is, you know, a pull system. They customise very kind of specialised high-end bikes. So I think they've built a couple for Cadell Evans, for example. Interesting that Dave... Marquet is still so kind of open to learning and he goes around and does a whole lot of speaking tours and workshops and conferences but he changed the way he prepared for chips and he videoed himself I guess boxing up you know each conference that he was going to with the contents of what he needed for the conference and had it on a kind of um, a pool based system and he videoed himself and just a shout out back to the lunar guy saying hey guys I listened to what I learned from that tour which I thought was really nice because it just indicates that he's still so open to learning mm. and picking up new tips and things. You can subscribe to his, what he calls Leadership Nudges. So if you follow him on Twitter or go and subscribe on his website, you get little five minute videos on a regular basis, just little leadership tips, which are usually pretty valuable little hacks. Another podcast recommendation was the Agile Revolution podcast published an episode last week and I love this podcast. It's one of my favorite, favorite, favorites. They have an excellent back catalogue of episodes to listen to. They used to talk more in a kind of lean coffee panel style way. It's Renee Troughton, Tony Ponton, Ponton and Craig Smith. I know that Craig has a, a huge backlog of interviews that he still needs to edit and cut together so every now and then he'll drop a, a really great gem of an interview. This one was Michael Feathers. Michael Feathers is author of, I think it's called Working with Legacy Code. Yeah, Working Effectively with Legacy Code, Brutal Refactoring. And yeah, he's just really excellent. So there's a lot of insights from him. He says it wasn't his intention to be associated with working with Legacy Code and pulling apart mm. old systems and platforms, but he just sort of fell into it because he discovered all these ways of doing it that could help people. I thought it was interesting one of his insights was agility is still not understood above the first layer of management mm. um, you know it's quite often really not understood even in you know organizations that we would consider to be quite progressive big scaled agile teams of teams the the exec and, and senior levels of management it's often quite a mystery to them what their teams are working on and what they're doing indeed there was a nice insight from michael though that um, you know we view hierarchy with suspicion but another way of abusing a team is a team that can't agree or move forward with a decision so when there isn't a leader or strong leadership around that can be almost a, another form of abuse for a team and just recognizing that there are pros and cons to every one of those systems mm. yeah even empowered self-organizing teams need leadership they need direction for sure yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of talk about tech debt, refactoring legacy systems. He has a long history, so it's interesting to hear his reflections after such a long period of time of sort of observing and being part of what has been going on in that community. Also, he's recognising that he's talking to people a lot that haven't even heard about waterfall. So his reflection is that they weren't battling waterfall necessarily, they were battling any kind of process at all. So that the kind of mad scramble that we see when we're sort of given something to achieve and a date to achieve it 
buy. Yeah, so it was great to see the Agile Revolution publishing. They had that lovely little call sign at the end, which is Vivla Revolution, which <laughs> I always love to hear. You always get these guests to say that. And let's hope Craig can keep cranking out the episodes for that podcast. Nice. Okay, um, so one other little thing, which is a bit tangential to our normal conversations. Um, during the week, I think it was this week, the WWF um, released a report showing that humanity has wiped out 60% of all animal populations in the last 40 years, so since 1970. Um, so during a lifetime, 60% of all animals on the world have been killed off. Eaten by us or just destroy their habitats and environments? So, yeah, no, so global warming, um, environment, like deforestation, etc., um, for food in particular, um, is uh, two of the four main pieces. I can't think what the other two are. Um, the, um, what I'm thinking of is we, we're change agents. Um, a lot of the work we do are, chain, are as change agents, and we, we change the way people behave and the way people operate um, things. And the one of the biggest problems they've got um, is that people don't want to change their behaviours or their attitudes or their um, the ways, the things they do. Um, we still throw away about 40% of all the food we buy, mm. um, for example. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm not really sure exactly where I'm going to go with this, but um, I want to do something. and I want to save the world. And, yeah, save the world. and um, yeah, I think the, the experience that we've got as change agents and getting people to change is something that we can spread more broadly yeah. um, for different purposes, such as saving the saving the world. Absolutely. Hey, um, that is a fantastic segue. You know that I'm saving the world one podcast at a time. But, okay. um, <laughs> here's another <laughs> podcast that you might enjoy if you're interested in in those kind of concepts. And I think I think what you're saying and why I love this podcast I'm about to tell you about is because it's about the greater systems of work at play mm. in the world. It's it's about the kind of macro systems that we we you know that are that we exist by and are all around us um so there's a podcast called reasons to be cheerful podcast it is by two chaps who are english so i'll call them <laughs> call them chaps <laughs> so ed Miliband, who happens to be the ex um leader of the labor party so he was leader of the opposition mm-hmm. when uh, david cameron was in power and jeff lloyd now, it's episode number 55 that I'm recommending to you, so they've obviously done a lot of episodes, but it's a fantastic podcast, and they talk about topics just like throw away 40% of our food. Mm. Was it 40%? Yeah. Um, and what to do about this, and, and they talk to a whole bunch of community groups and not-for-profit groups, but also um, for-profit groups that are you know working together to kind of solve those, those problems. Um, and... It really is a reasons to be cheerful podcast because you, awesome. you hear all these stories about people who are changing the world through their kind of own works and one little piece at a time. A lot of it is just you know for social good, which is nice. This particular episode, episode fifty-five, they had a guy called Andrew Barnes, who's the founder of a company called Perpetual Guardian, which I think they are some kind of law firm. But they experimented with four-day working week. Let me just be clear, a four-day working week at five-day pay for their staff. Mm -hmm. And they found the results in output and productivity were increased. For less days, for the same people, for the same amount of money, they got more output when they worked four days. Um, and, And along with heaps of other great benefits, like the individuals became better parents because they were more involved in their children's lives, so therefore Mm -hmm. 
I mean, there was, wasn't too much statistical evidence of this, but you can imagine better children, happier children, less anxious um, children. Another one which I thought was an interesting side effect was better outcomes for women in roles because working four days wasn't seen as a differentiator necessarily between the males and the females in the office. When both the men and the women were working four days, it was seen as more of an equalising effect. So all of these kind of virtuous cycles of goodness were coming yeah. out of this experiment. Was, was that a Tasmanian company? No. Because I heard of this a few years ago from a Tasmanian, I thought it was a law firm in Tasmania. Oh, maybe it was. It did a similar oh, thing. Maybe it was. This guy, are you sure it wasn't New Zealand? We just lump all the Tasmanians and the New Zealanders <laughs> together as those kind of I friendlier didn't say people that. that live across, <laughs> across the waters. Look, I think one of the really nice things you said at the end, or was nice kind of capitalist things you said was like, frankly, I did it because it was better for my company results, not because I'm a, a, a ride-on guy. Yeah, I think he's British, the company is um, New Zealand, but... Okay. Yeah. I think he might have copied from a yeah. Tasmanian Ah, firm. okay. Yeah, he might have. Um, I saw Bass Fode talk at, uh, I think it was Scrum Australia a couple of years ago. Uh, I was a keynote speaker. And he talked about um, the challenges of getting teams to... Uh, to creating cross-functional teams and getting people to actually sitting and operating together. Mm -hmm. um, and so in the middle of his talk, he said, okay, I'm going to give you an example. So these couple of people down here in the front right of stage, um, he said, you're, you're some developers. You've been sitting in a silo the whole time. And you couple of people over there, you're testers. Um, you've been sitting in a silo working by yourself for ages. And then a couple of BAs over there. Okay, so I want all of you to stand up and uh, swap seats. And so I want one of the testers to move down with one of the developers and one of the BAs to move down next to one of the developers and the other three to move together as well. Mm. And, I and can imagine in an audience that was super yeah, awkward. Yeah, it was a bit awkward in an audience, but he, he, was just, he just picked on a couple of people and he said, no, you're moving. And, and he said, stand up. And they started walking off and he goes, no, 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 take your stuff, take your bag and stuff because this is a permanent move. And then they moved and they all went and sat, to, sat next to each other and he goes, there we go, it's done. That's it. <laughs> That's a good example of how it should be done right. in companies. So he was saying, like, don't muck around, um, just don't. force it to happen. Not, not necessarily force it, but, um, but it's that simple. That's all you need to do. Like, forget about, you don't have to change reporting lines. You don't yes. have to, um, you know, have long communications, you know, and make sure people are prepared for job it and everything. Job description changes. Yeah, job description changes. HR anything like involved. that. Yep. Literally just get the people to stand sit, up and sit with each other. Move over there, sit there, yep. bring your stuff. This yeah. is where you're And now. that'll have a huge, huge impact. I wanted to just talk about and just ask you about actually was the difference between spontaneous celebration and forced celebration. So what I mean by that was I attended this really great stand up and the team, it was actually a, a kind of a leadership team of a bunch of teams who had been doing a weekly stand-up just to be aligned across the program for a few weeks. And we noticed some things moving into the done column, which is great for that kind of scale up thing because you don't get cars necessarily moving yep. all the time. So rounds of applause started breaking out amongst the team and I could hear them on the people that were remote as well. That's um, great. For cards moving into the done column. And there was even like an applause for something being unblocked as well. And I was just standing in the back grinning like an idiot, just loving it, sick. Um, <laughs> and I just thought it's so nice when the team just spontaneously, or like one person says, that's great, starts clapping and then people join in. And when I was at REA, there was a conversation at Slack. Someone said, remember when, remember when applause used to break out across the floor? 
So mm. when they were smaller, it had that more of a contagion effect. That yeah. When things, someone had a great win or something um, amazing was released or someone had a great result in the business, um, more spontaneous applause used to break out across the floor. And someone sarcastic responded and said, yeah, I hated that forced, I hated that forced to clap celebration or I hate that, that kind of forced celebration. And sometimes celebrations feel like that as well. Yeah, you can smell authenticity a mile away yeah, or a lack of. It's a fine line, isn't it, between, hey, we're going to have a party and everyone's going to have dumplings to mm. something great just happened, let's all party. Yeah. It's like spontaneous parties as well. <laughs> like, you know, someone just drops around to your house yeah. and next thing you're, you're having a party. It's, yeah, I don't know. They, they're always the more exciting and more fun ones, ones yeah, you remember. The ones that ones just that kind stick. of spring up and authentic. But you can't, I can't say to teams, so everyone go back into your teams and try and be spontaneous and authentic and celebrate this week. Yes, um, yeah, that, definitely a challenge. I don't know what to do about that one. I think it must do, just also be, that? you know, when it feels good, it feels good and everyone can recognise yeah. something has been done here, something genuine has been achieved. Mm. Oh, there was a meet-up. I will just mention this just in case I get to talk to anyone who went there. It was called BCG and um, it was Renee Troughton actually, just circling back to the Agile Revolution. Agile Coaching with Consulting, Boutique and Big Business Delivering Change Together. So, look, I don't know what happened there. I couldn't get to it because I was traveling at the time. Um, I'm interested in talking to people who went to it, so I'm going to see if I can call someone and just get the lowdown. It said open and passionate. So um, mm -hmm. I wonder how that, that felt for everyone. Hopefully it was a constructive... Constructive, constructive debate. Yeah, and discussion. Good to have it anyway. We'll catch up again next week with another bit of a download of the week. Thanks to everyone who gave positive feedback on the podcast. We're interested in talking to more people, phoning more people. People keep asking, why do you want to phone them? But I do want to phone them. <laughs> um, so if you've got something interesting to tell us, a hack, an interesting article, a meetup you went to or a link, please get in touch. I just want to mention again the 10-year birthday celebration of the Agile and Scrum user group. So it's 10 years since they formed. And it's on, here in Melbourne. It's here in Melbourne. I'll put a link on the show notes and it's their 10th anniversary. So um, tickets still available to register for that one. And is that yeah, for charity? There's a small percentage of the booking fee goes to charity. Wonderful. Excellent. Okay. And that's a wrap. Good. Thanks. See you, everyone. Have fun. Hello. Ah, oh, hi. How are you? Very well. Nice to meet you. Okay, hang on a second. We managed to catch up with two people who attended the meetup that was called Boutique and Big Business Delivering Change Together. We talked to Murray Robinson and Phil Gudzinski to get their view, and we'll be releasing that episode over the weekend. Look out for it. In the meantime, here's a little teaser. Yeah, so the agenda was how consultants and agile coaches can work together. Yeah. And how did it go down? I'd say it was um, quite controversial. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, it's most uh, controversial meetup I've been to so yeah. far. So the thing is that for people like us who've been involved in the agile space for you know a long time, fourteen, fifteen years, or whatever it is, um, you know, agile is very dear to our heart. And it's not just about making money; it's also about making people's lives better. Yeah. I, I personally experienced 
you know, my, I feel like my working life improved a lot when I started working in an agile way and I think a lot of other people's have too. That was Murray. You can hear that bonus episode dropping in your ears across the weekend. Thanks for joining us for the weekly reboot. We'll be back next Friday in your ears with more opinions, books, tweets, articles and links we've been hearing from around the community. Please get in touch if you hear or see something you'd like to share on the weekly reboot and let us know if you want us to call you for a phone call. All the links and references we've mentioned today you can find in the show notes. Subscribe to the weekly reboot, hit subscribe on your podcast platform or get it delivered to your inbox weekly by dropping us a line at rebootme at rebootco.com.au and we'll look forward to hearing from you there. And from all of us, we hope you have yourself a wonderful weekend.